Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. Back in 1970, when the Kansas City Chiefs were preparing to take on the Minnesota Vikings in Super Bowl IV, that was the number one song in the United States. Welcome back. Nuwana's Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. I'm Coulter Nuwana's. Riding with you for just a few more minutes. You're actually going to hear me for a long time here, but uh, I'm on my way out in person Miss anything in the first hour of the show, you can always find it on the Nuanas Now podcast, probably presented by Schulte Law. Visit jschultilaw.com, the M store where they're all grizz all the time, and the MSU Bookstore, best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit msubookstore.org. Florence Coffee's got new late hours at both their Brooks and uh, South Reserve locations. They're open until 8 o'clock. Monday through Friday, and if you go there anytime Monday through Friday, they got a buy one, get one free deal going on. Also, we got free, straight up free for you. Keep those texts rolling in, 406-888-1029. Our ESPN Roundtable probably presented by Paradise Falls. Paradise Falls is a great place to gather with family and friends alike. They serve breakfast, lunch, and dinner, full-service casino, 18 draft beers, and more than 20 big-screen TVs. 3621 Brook Street, Paradise Falls, Missoula's coolest hotspot. Hello and welcome to the ESPN Roundtable. I'm Coulter Nuanas, a special Super Bowl edition with a Montana flair here on the ESPN Roundtable. Up until a couple of years ago, the only kicker in the Montana Pro Football Hall of Fame, as well as the National Pro Football Hall of Fame, Jan Stenerud, a former Montana State Bobcat, kicked for the Cats in the late 1960s and then launched himself into an epic 19-year career in the NFL, which included being a part of the Kansas City Chiefs when they won Super Bowl IV. That fourth Super Bowl was the year before the AFL and the NFL merger, so it was the last time the AFL defeated the champion of the NFL. And Jan Senrud had a huge hand in Kansas City's 23-7 win over the Minnesota Vikings back in Super Bowl IV. He kicked three field goals that afternoon, and the uh, Chiefs won 23-7 over Minnesota. Jan is our guest this week on the ESPN Roundtable. A meandering interview all about what he thinks of the Chiefs now, his trip, upcoming trip to Vegas to watch the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, and some memories about Hank Stram, Lamar Hunt, many of the Chiefs greats from yesteryear, and what it was like winning on behalf of the AFL the last year before the merger. A class act, a former Montana State Bobcat, a Super Bowl champion, and a Pro Football Hall of Famer, Jan Stenerud, here on the ESPN Roundtable. And we're joined now by an all-time great Bobcat and a man who also has a Super Bowl ring to his credit, one of the first Super Bowls uh, in the storied history of the big game. Jan Stenerud, he's a Pro Football Hall of Famer, a Montana Football Hall of Famer, a Montana State Bobcat Hall of Famer. He's in a lot of Hall of Fames, but now he joins us here uh, on Nuanas now here on ESPN Radio. Jan, great to hear from you, man. How you doing? We're doing fine. We are heading to the big game already on Wednesday, tomorrow morning. And uh, there's a lot of things that go on in the Super Bowl city, more than the game, that functions almost all week long. 
So we're going to take part in some of that. And then uh, I'm very anxious to see what's going to happen on Sunday. Of course, Kansas City is on fire, as you well know. This team has been uh, pretty, good, darn, pretty darn, darn good for several years. And uh, a lot of excitement sound right, uh, right now. Definitely a lot of excitement. So where where are you at in the world right now? Before you make your way to Vegas, where where are you at? Well, we were in. Uh, well, let's see. We were in Palm Desert for a while, and then the uh, about a few minutes after the Chiefs had beaten Buffalo in the playoff game in Buffalo, I got a call from uh, someone someone at the Chiefs office and asked me if I could uh, uh, be the honorary captain for the game against uh, the Ravens. And uh, also helped with the uh, presentation of the Lamar Hunt Trophy, and I was delighted to be asked. So we did that. We cut over short to California. Our trip to California a little bit short, and then came, flew to Baltimore, and went from Baltimore and back to Kansas City instead of going back west again. And spent about spending about a week here, and then heading to Vegas to tomorrow, and to be there for four or five days. Well, so fun. It's so, so awesome. I, I was loving it because when uh, when Lamar Hunt Trophy was presented after Kansas City's 17-10 to 10, a victory over Baltimore, I, I paused the TV. I told my wife, I said, hey, that's Jan. Remember you met Jan Stenerud at the Montana Football Hall of Fame a couple of years ago? She's like, well, wow, that's so cool. Uh, so I mean, what, what was that moment like for you? I mean, you you have connections to Lamar Hunt, so that's pretty cool you got to present the trophy. Well, it, it was an, an honor, obviously. And uh, the whole... The whole uh, Day was uh, was kind of fun. We uh, watched the game in the uh, good seats, obviously. And about ten minutes to go, uh, we had agreed to meet at the Hunt family suite, and it was got really tense in there, really tense. Because between seven or eight minutes ago, and until we finally caught that pass on uh, less than two minutes to go to seal the game, it got pretty goddamn tense. But that be rush down the elevator, down on the field, and uh, set the stage up in no time at all. And uh, all I knew that my, I'd make it as short as possible. My job was to try to say a sentence or two. And right before I went on stage, somebody from the NFL said, well, you got to say that you got to start with on behalf of the NFL. It is my pleasure, etc. And then all I had to do was remember Clark's name and Lamar's name, and also the uh, I want to get the title of Clark Hunt right. And other than that, <laughs> it wasn't much. But also Jim Nance makes you feel very comfortable. It's a friend from way way back, yeah. and it was nice to take part of it. I haven't had that many opportunities. I've been around Travis Kelsey quite often. Patrick Mahomes, not that much. Uh, but I had a chance to you know, visit some with him, of course, down on the, on the field quite a bit after the game. And also uh, Taylor Swift, of course, was right a couple of feet away. And, and my wife, Patty, didn't almost decide to speak to her, but did not, didn't want to bother her at all. But it, it was a fun experience. And I'm so delighted that they won it so it's so brutal when you lose, you know, playoff games, championship game, and, and Super Bowl. That, that, that's a hard, hard thing to swallow. So it turned out to be a wonderful weekend in Baltimore. Yeah, Stenner joining us here on ESPN Radio, former Montana State Bobcat and uh, a member of the Kansas City Chiefs when they won Super Bowl four so many years ago. Uh, just seeing this Kansas City team now and just, uh, I mean, like you said, it's been a couple years, but it's been quite a resurgence. I know Kansas City is. Solid, you know, in the in the nineties and early two thousands, but now 
they've just been they've been the team to beat they've been the dynasty of the modern day nfl so as a former chief what have you thought of just sort of their reascendance well it was a long period here it was 50 years between the super bowl wins wow and then then of course alex smith was a quarterback before mahomes he was also a beautified quarterback but mahomes is is very special he might be as good as anybody that ever played quarterback in the NFL. Of course, the quarterback, the way the rule changes have been made over the last couple of decades, the quarterback, it's so, so important. Uh, and he's just a, a great player. Now, the team itself, the defense, uh, is a lot better, I think, than it's been uh, the last two or three years. The, the offense struggles some early in the season. Uh, they played well against Buffalo, against Baltimore, and with some of the offensive, uh, or particularly Patrick Mahomes, you always seem to have hope when he's on the field. Uh, but it comes down to turnovers, probably. If he can stay even in the turnover ratio, I think they have an excellent chance of winning. Yeah, no doubt. It's it's so interesting because we do a, a big NFL segment every Monday. Marty Mornoweg is one of my partners and he's our, our go-to nfl guy i think you probably met marty at the montana football oh, hall of yes, fame yes yes and he has a lot of experience a ton of experience and he worked for andy reed for 11 years so he definitely he certainly has an inside look at the chiefs but like he said you know in the middle of the year the chiefs had a little bit of a skid and, and at one point they were sitting there they were they were eight and six and you're sitting there thinking wow maybe the chiefs take a step back maybe this isn't their year and he said all year he said hey let me tell you he said if you got patrick mahomes and he got a defense like the chiefs now the rest of it matters. They'll figure out a way to turn it on in December and January, and uh, boy, was he right. Yeah, and Andy's a tremendous coach. He's one of the best ever. I still think Belichick is the best coach of history of football. But, uh, but I tell you what, Andy Reid is getting, is getting some, uh, his, his name is being mentioned in that conversation now. He is, he is an outstanding, and he's such a nice man, too. And also, I, I, have a, I was very fond of my coaches way back Hank Strand he was one of my favorites always will be and uh, he I would love to be thankful for he, he gave me a, told me gave me a lot of confidence every day and of course it also goes back to Jim Sweeney obviously he's the one that gave me the opportunity to kick a football at Montana State and even the basketball coach Roger Kraft had a hand in that as well although it was of course Jim Sweeney who actually gave me the opportunity and, and uh, told me it was pretty good told me every day that helped me well, it's one of my favorite stories I've ever written. Jan Stenner joining us here on Nuanas Now, and I, I had the distinct pleasure of writing his Hall of Fame uh, biography for our Montana Football Hall of Fame. He was in our inaugural class, I think now eight years ago. But I remember Roger Kraft telling that story and then recounting it with Coach Sweeney before he passed away, which was great to hear from him. And and uh, so as the story goes, you were actually came to Montana State as a skier. So, so take us back to the very beginning. I've, I've told the story many times, but I'll, I'll let you tell it yourself. When did they first kind of discover you as a kicker? Because, I mean, that just kind of <laughs> redefined your entire life. Well, I was on the ski team, ski jumping. They had ski jumping in the NCAA competition. Then, of course, I had to run cross-country skiing, which is painful, but we didn't have to do that. Part of my workout before the ski season, I always ran the stadium steps at Old Gatton Field. Ran in for half an hour, it seems like, almost every day. My freshman year, my sophomore year, my junior year. And then my junior year, Dale Jackson, who was a defensive back and also kicked field goals for the for the Bobcats at the time. He was down on the field kicking field goals. And having been you know, on soccer teams in Norway in the summertime, from the time I was eight years old till 19, I thought, gosh, I haven't kicked anything for a long time. 
So we went down and kicked a few field goals for Dale. I kicked with a toe like that is that square toe, basically the early to mid sixties. And after a couple of attempts, I asked, "Can you kick with your side of your foot like you take a corner kick in soccer?" I thought I thought if you knew what a corner kick was, but he did say. There's a guy for the Buffalo Bills. This is 1964. There's a guy for the Buffalo Bills called Pete Gogolak. He kicks for the side of his foot. So I did that. I invented my own steps. Messed around with that a few times. And then, of course, some of the people saw me. And Roger Kraft was one of them. And he ran over and told, uh, of course, Sweeney that uh, you know, there's a skier right here that you ought to take a look at. And so Sweeney finally gave me a chance, take a good look at me. <laughs> and I kicked a few in front of the team, and he asked me to go out for spring practice, and I made the team. And luckily, last game of the season against the Grizzlies, I kicked a 59-yard field goal, and that turned out to be it. Took us about a week to find out, but that turned out to break the pro record by three yards, and the college record by five. And two weeks later, I was a telegram from the Chiefs saying I was drafted in the third round of the NFL or the AFL right as a future draft choice so then Sweeney had to explain to me what the heck that meant meant there were two leagues of course AFL and the NFL and instead of the ski the next winter and go back to Norway I decided to go to school again the next full quarter because Sweeney thought that'd be a good idea and after that season I was drafted also by the NFL and then chose the Kansas City so that that's what happened well, it's, it's an amazing story. And, uh, I mean, that 59-yard field goal, I think that stood as the longest field goal in college football for, for quite some time. So uh, a record that uh, took a long time to be broken. Jan Senarud here on Nuanas Now on ESPN Radio, former Kansas City Chief, former Montana State Bobcat, and a uh, member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the only kicker in the Pro Football Hall of Fame uh, today. Well, actually, Morton Anderson joined me. Oh, he did. That's ago. right. Yeah, that's right. And, and deservedly so. I think there'll probably be a couple more, don't you? I think there'll probably be a couple well, more. I, I, think, I think the next one that's going to be very strongly considered would be Adam Benetieri. It has to be, but right? They, yeah. But they are so good now. And also, they obviously, you play on good fields and you had good snappers and good holes all the time. The conditions are pretty good. But the main thing, you get to practice a lot more. In the old days, the quarterback typically was the holder. The center was the snappers. They only did kick field goals on Friday afternoon. Right. Five minutes. Uh, but they are getting awfully good. And also the the, the ball, the kicking ball uh, is pretty well suited for kicking. But overall, I mean, it's unusual if they miss even from 50, 55 yards anymore. Oh, so. it's amazing. Right. You might be watching a guy like Justin Tucker. I mean, he's he also is probably going to someday be in the well, Hall of Fame. He has separated himself a little bit the last few years. You're right. And I also, but I also like the guy in Kansas City. For sure. He's, he's also excellent. Yeah, Harrison Butcher. Justin Tucker has kind of, yeah, he has uh, he has been year in and year out. He's been the best now for about 10 years or so. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to hear you say that because, so back back when you were in your first, your early AFL and NFL days, what did you do to, to sort of stay sharp? Because like you mentioned, I mean, there wasn't like designated long snappers and holders. And now on NFL teams, those are like positions, right? I mean, you got guys you're paying a million dollars to long snap. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we start breaking into punters and holders in about 1980, that made a lot of sense. Huh? Right. And I did that in Green Bay, and I started getting some practice. Actually, in 91, I think I kicked. Uh, 92% one year was unheard of in those days. And uh, so my percentage just went way up and we got more reps, etc. But but anyway, we had uh, those of no warm-up nets on the sideline. We went out for pre-game practice 45 minutes before the game 
En uh, weet je, naar de bikes on the sideline, de warm-up nets, they kick the ball in. Dus so sometimes you will stand on the sideline for two and a half or three hours before you kick the ball again. So it was a little bit different, obviously. Uh, but, uh, well, that's the way it was for, for everybody. Every team was the same way. I want to ask you about some of those guys from the Chiefs organization when you first broke through as well. I mean, you mentioned Hank Stram. He's obviously still uh, incredibly famous, mostly because of all of his uh, hilarious one-liners on the NFL film stuff that everybody still watches. But what was it like playing for a guy like that? Because he was one of the great coaches of his time. Well, he was uh, he was an, an you know inventive coach. He was a he talked a lot about the offense of the seventies, although the although the defense and kicking game <laughs> the Super Bowl year, but Hank was really innovative. He was a good motivator. He knew football. He, I mean, we only had five guys on the coaching staff on first year, then they had six a couple of years later. Now they go 25 coaches. They were coaches for everything. And he ran a lot of it. He knew the offense, the defense, the kicking, the whole bit. And, uh, you know, he, he, was a, he was a great coach. He could do it all. And he could motivate at the right time. And uh, no, he was uh, he was excellent. He was absolutely excellent. And some of the other players, Lynn Dawson, was such a great quarterback. We had Buck Buchanan, actually the biggest team in football. Wow! When I got there, Hank liked big people. We had Jim Tyre, offensive left tackle. He was three hundred ten pounds, and he was a thin. He was lean at three ten. And we had Ed Buddy was a great player. We had Bobby Bell that could do anything on defense, and Willie Lanier. We had, on the Super Bowl team, we had seven guys that later got into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Wow. Curly Culp, tackle. It was also the heavyweight wrestling champion, you know. Otis Taylor was a great receiver. He would make one-headed catches, and that was with no gloves on like they have nowadays. So we had a talented team, and, and it was fun. The Chiefs had just played in Super Bowl One the year before I got here. So this town was on fire. I was so excited about the Chiefs then also. And two or three years later, we were, or three years later, we won the Super Bowl against the Vikings. We were underdogs by 14 points, but we had, uh, I think I kicked three about it. No, I kicked three field goals in the first half. And we got a touchdown right before the half, 16 nothing in half, and he went 20, we won 23-7. And uh, we, like I said, we were underdogs by 14 points. So that was the sweetest moment that we had in all my 19 years. Yeah, it's a, it's an incredible moment. Uh, Super Bowl Four champion, Don Stenderer, joining us here on ESPN Radio. I think people forget, too, the Super Bowl, the name comes from the fact that it was actually the championship between two different leagues, the AFL and the NFL. And the, but that was the last one of those, Super Bowl Four before then the, the merger. But, I mean, did you guys feel like you were carrying the flag of the, the AFL back then? Oh, no question. I no question. I remember Super Bowl. The Packers beat the Chiefs in Super Bowl one, and sure. the Packers beat the Oakland Super Bowl two, and of course the Jets, eighteen points on the dogs. They beat uh, Baltimore, the Colts, yeah, sixteen to seven, and it was the whole AFL was so happy for that, and then we won it. The last true AFL NFL Super Bowl. It was like the whole AFL league. Was was at stake, so it was, and uh, uh, it, it was it was it was tremendous. I mean, people from from every team around the AFL were, were happy for what we were able to do that day. So yes, it was a league against the league in those days. I mean, the two leagues, of course, was the AFL, which was started by by Lamar Hunt in 1960. The franchise, by the way, was twenty five thousand dollars. You know, as you know the. <laughs> 
the commanders, the Washington franchise was sold for six billion last year. Then the Broncos almost four billion. I think uh, so. The things uh, <laughs> the game has grown to say the least. Unbelievable to think about. What do you remember about Lamar Hunt? I mean, you, you mentioned he, he's such a, a pioneer of all of this. Started the AFL in 1960, and, and the AFL, I guess the AFC now, championship trophy still named after him. His family still carries on his legacy, owning and operating the Chiefs. So, I mean, what do you remember about just his influence on the game and, and just on the Chiefs when you were playing there? Well, he he walked through the locker room before a game, never said anything, never – the coach's job was to – you know, give good speeches and talk to the players. He just walked around and wished us good luck for the game. And if he won, they said congratulations. He never really spoke about it. Of course, we knew who he was. He was, he was the owner, and he had tried to buy the NFL team for many years, but I wouldn't let him. He finally got the idea to get hold of seven other people, and he started the AFL, and they, and they put him in Dallas. Let's call the Dallas Texans. The next year, the NFL. It was a television contract that had been established for fifty years or 40 years at that time, they started the Dallas Cowboys a year after he started the, the Mars started the Dallas Texans. So after a few years, he was forced to move. It was first thought, I think, was going to New Orleans, but the mayor of Kansas City, Roe Bartle, convinced him to move to Kansas City and they moved here in 1963. And Lamar was one of the most important people in the history of, of football. Uh, he also had, I think he also, Darnay financed a couple of the other teams a little bit in the beginning of the, uh, the first couple of years before they got an NBC television contract. So he was, he was as important as anybody you can think of in the history of professional football. Very quiet, nice man, always had a blue blazer and, 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 and raised pants. And, uh, and if you met him for the first time, it didn't pay much attention. You didn't think it was Lamar Hunt that you shook hands with. Very unassuming, but very smart and very strong uh, in the development of pro football. Wow, wonderful memories. Jan Senderud here on Nuanas Now on ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television and the ESPN Montana app. Jan, a 19-year NFL veteran who played for the Kansas City Chiefs for a, a good portion of that, winning uh, Super Bowl four there uh, in Kansas City. Also a former Montana State Bobcat here uh, on Nuanas Now. Uh, last couple of things for you then. I mean, we talked about Mahomes and Kelsey and, and this Chiefs defense, but what do you think of this matchup? The 49ers have been sort of knocking on the door for – for a while now. I mean, they, they've been one of the better teams of the last 10 years, but they haven't broken through and actually won the ultimate prize as a talented team. So what do you think of the matchup with San Francisco? Well, it's going to be hard. It's going to be a difficult game. San Francisco is very good. When we go back to the hotel in Baltimore, where Detroit was leading 24-7, and you saw what happened in the second, uh, second half. They have an explosive. No, they have a great team. The two best teams... Well, the best the Chiefs are playing the best teams in the NFC, I believe. And uh, but I also felt for a long time this year that the Ravens were the best team in the AFL or the AFC, and the Chiefs was able to get by them and Buffalo both on the road. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a close game, and, uh, and the, the two deserving teams are playing. And I think I don't pay a heck of a lot of attention to the point spread these days, but I think actually San Francisco is favored by a point or two. So they are, yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be a heck of a game. There's no question about that. You don't like it, but sometimes you predict that. Everybody predicts that, and it's a blowout. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be a very exciting Super Bowl. 
Well, I know you and your wife are on your way to Vegas. So what do you think of the game being in Vegas? We were teasing yesterday. Back in the 70s, I think you'd have a lot of problems with the game being in Vegas. But now it seems like these guys take their business so seriously. I don't think anybody's going to get in trouble or anything. Well, but- it was unheard of years ago. They even think that there's going to be even a, a football team like the Raiders when they moved to Vegas. Vegas, we had meetings every year for 19 years. Somebody from the NFL would come to our, you know, meetings room after practice and talk about places, even in Kansas City, even bars or restaurants you couldn't go to during the season because you may mention that someone so-and-so got hurt on the practice field that day and they changed the point spread or whatever. And Vegas, you know, betting. They were, even now, I, from what I understand, some of the people in the front office, for example, that go into the Chiefs game are not even allowed to play blackjack in some of the casinos. Wow. No gambling at all. But, but also, you remember back, remember back a few years, it's a little bit, you know, we had Jimmy the Greek. He was there to, you know, you had Brett Musburger doing the CBS before the games, and you had, uh, was it Phyllis George, Miss America, that was on the telecast, Earth Cross. And also, they had the goddamn Greek. Jimmy Snyder to, to, to talk about the, you know the point spread and the betting so you know they covered all they covered everything I guess although you know to, to, to imagine that, it, that a team would be in Vegas that was unimaginable 40 50 years ago any any big plans for you guys I mean any, any uh, things that you're gonna do or see on uh, leading up to the big game on uh, on Sunday no not, not a heck of a lot to be going to um, uh, the main reason I've been going the last 25 years or 30 years uh, is because through the Hall of Fame, they, uh, there are certain functions that you are asked to go to and honestly even get compensated for. So there are several lunches, dinner, several things that they are going to attend. And uh, But it's funny to see former players from... You know, from years ago and even just a few years ago, and it's uh, it is a it's an interesting and a fun thing to do. But there are some times when you're in the city for four or five days uh, that uh, there's so many things going on that you don't you only really think about the game. I remember playing golf in the in the Super Bowl golf tournament years ago, and the writer for the Baltimore Colts had a golf game on Friday, I think, and. And we were talking about functions that we're doing all week long. And it says, you know, one of these days, they're going to forget to kick off. It was thinking about all the things that were going on in the, the, the city where the Super Bowl is being held. Now, when you're watching television around the country, you, you know, you're just tuning in for the game, obviously. You're not aware or don't even know about all the functions that people have put on. And, and it, it, it's a, it is some kind of a week. It's kind of a circus, I suppose, but a lot of it, a lot of it is very enjoyable as well. Uh, even on you know Monday night here when the first uh, the media day was held, there, there a lot of entertaining and a lot of interesting thing that you have to put up with. But you can't as a player, you can't let it distract you. And of course, the coaches do a good job. The players stay away from from the strip in Vegas. Then I think they are in hotels. I know they are in hotels, about 20, 30 minutes away from where all the action is going to be all week long. In, in Las Vegas famous hotels well it should be a wonderful week we appreciate you so much for taking some time out before you make your way to Sin City and sharing so many good memories and so many good stories Jan Stenerud here uh, on Nuanas now Jan we appreciate it man great to hear from you and uh, we'll catch up with you Suba have a great time this weekend 
Well, it's my pleasure. You know, my favorite state is Montana. You know that. So it's my pleasure. It's good talking to you. ESPN Roundtable probably presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. You need a place to watch all the high school action that's going on. They can stream any of it for you. Any level of high school sports, you can ask them to put it on one of their 20-plus big screen TVs down there at Paradise Falls. Great place to gather with family and friends alike. They serve breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Full-service casino. Great place to also watch the Super Bowl if you need a place to watch uh, on Super Sunday. Game kicks at 4.30 p.m. they got a Sportsbet Montana kiosk, so you can do some pregame bets, some in-game bets. And they also, of course, have 18 draft beers and uh, food and drink specials seven days a week. Paradise Falls located at 3621 Brook Street on the south side of Missoula, Paradise Falls. Missoula's coolest hotspot. Thanks so much to Jan Stenerud for joining us on this week's ESPN Roundtable. You're listening to Nuanas now. More on the other side right after this. Jewelry Design Center is not your average jewelry store. The friendly, welcoming staff is so excited to be in Montana, and the craftsmanship, unique creativity, care, and artisanship you'll receive at the Jewelry Design Center is second to none. Is there anything you guys can't do? We don't cut diamonds, <laughs> okay, yeah. but we can facilitate that. <laughs> right. It's unique that we cast our own metal, we grow our own models, we hand carve, as well as use computer-aided technology to design. We're pushing the limits of what we had previously thought was impossible. Jewelry Design Center, your jeweler for life. One, two, three. Nuwana is now on ESPN Radio. Nuwana is now here on a Wednesday afternoon, the 5 o'clock hour. Just got things wrapped up in the ESPN Roundtable with Coulter Nuwana's. Interesting stuff there with an NFL Hall of Famer, Jan Sturron, kicker with the Chiefs, also... Found out was a Green Bay Packer as well. I'm a Green Bay Packer fan myself, so I found that quite interesting. And now we're rolling along here in the 5 o'clock hour. It is a Wing It Wednesday, as it typically is. We're talking some Montana Grizzly hockey. Today's conversation has a little bit of a, I guess, an announcement, a breaking news type of feel to it. But, of course, with it being a Wing It Wednesday, folks out there, they want their wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern. Been catching... Grizz Hockey potentially there this season, surely going to the Desperado after Grizzly Hockey games. So if you want some free wings from the Desperado, call us right now, 406-888-1029. Again, some free wings from the Desperado. Caller number three will get some free wings today, 406-888-1029. Free wings from the Desperado. Proud sponsors of Montana Grizzly Hockey. And if you're checking us out here in the studio, you see a familiar face. If you've been locked in with Grizzly Hockey, Mike Anderson in studio with us. But also, as it was announced today, next season, Grizzly Hockey will have a new coach joining the fold, a new head coach, Marcus Baxter, a man that's had ties to the Garden City and hockey before, going back to the Missoula Maulers and the Bruins in junior hockey. But now he will be leading the Montana Grizzly Hockey Program, along with Mike Anderson, the associate head coach next season. Mike Anderson will be the head coach throughout these con- this conference run in the postseason. We'll go over the Grizzly standings in the upcoming conference tournament and then the Western Regional Tournament this year. But Marcus Baxter joining us now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula, announcing him as the new head coach of Montana Grizzly Hockey. 
thanks for coming on with us and congratulations on your new role. Yeah, thanks for having us having us on and uh, getting to talk a little hockey today. And you're a guy that's obviously been around the game of hockey as a coach for quite a long time, but your family, your father, was an NHL player. So maybe take us through how your family went through hockey and how you went through the game of hockey growing up. Yeah, uh, you know, he had he played 13 years of pro. He, you know, started when he was 18 years old and uh, in Cleveland, actually, and played in the WHA and uh, played a couple years there and then went to Quebec City and played three or four years there and went on to Pittsburgh and then to Calgary and finished up his career there. And uh, he was pretty young when he retired. He had a, you know, bad knee injury when he was younger and uh, kind of plagued him throughout his career and uh, got into coaching right after that. So, um, yeah, like you said, I've been been around the game my whole life and got to grow up, grow up around it and, and uh, you know, a lot of fun. Got to see a lot of places. Yeah, was it cool to be able to, you mentioned all these unique cities in different countries going around Canada, the United States. Well, well how was that being able to experience so much? I, you know, it, it was, uh, it was good. You know, we, we moved around quite a bit, which is always, you know, always isn't that much fun, but, you know, new team, no t- new teammates and, and new schools is, is sometimes challenging, but, you know, having the common denominator of, of hockey everywhere we moved and, and, uh, you know, being able to dive into that was, you know, something that helped me out quite a bit. And then fast forward, once you were out of your youth, so to speak, you actually, interestingly enough, before you went and played Division One hockey, you played junior hockey right here in the state of Montana with a program that still exists, junior program in the Bozeman Ice Dogs. Saw a number of Bozeman Ice Dogs last week when checking out the Montana State Bobcats. few ex-Ice Dogs taking the ice for MSU. But you played that for the Ice Dogs in the early 2000s before moving on to the University of Connecticut. Yep. What, where did that play a role for you future coming back to Montana after your college career was done? Yeah, so I, I played two years in Bozeman, uh, 2000, 2001, and then 2001, 2002. Um, second year, we had a really good team, uh, won the regular season title, you know, won, a, won the league championship back then. It was, it was called the Bourne Cup. Um, had a lot of good players on that team. A lot of guys went on to play Division One, and um, you know, I I love I love Montana from you know from the moment I got up here and uh, got back into fly fishing, which I you know my dad and I did uh, living in New Brunswick. So um, pick pick that back up, and um, I always thought and always hoped that I get a, a chance to be back in Montana, and uh, you know after school. Um, moved back to Colorado and coached a couple years there and then had the opportunity to come up here and coach with the Maulers and took the chance. So, yeah, I've been here ever since. Marcus Baxter, the new head coach of the Montana Grizzly hockey team with us. Mike Anderson also in studio with us here. Nuwana is now ESPN Radio. Now, Mike, you've been here in Montana for a time also and were involved with the Bruins as well before they went away in 2019. What was your experience with Marcus in that instance? So I actually came in the year after Marcus had left. So I coached with a guy named Cliff Cook who came in after him as the assistant for those uh, last two years before Emerson Edom came in for another year. I think it was before they moved to the Badlands Sabres. But yeah, that was, I've known Marcus for about eight years since I moved here. You know, I was thinking about the way in, you, you play GHL and 
which is the men's league. And there's you start to see guys you might want to get to know off the ice, and the way he plays, how cerebral he is and smart he is, is always sort of like a a natural curiosity of what's he like as a, a person. I knew he coached uh, the Maulers at the time and the Bruins after that, so there's always been on my end at least a natural, like, what's this guy all about? And the more I've gotten to know him, the the more excited I am and, and uh, pleased to have him join us with the, with the Grizz. Now, in terms of getting a program off and rolling, you were around the Maulers when it was in its infancy and taking it all the way to the end. Now, in terms of you taking over this Montana hockey program, will that experience help you a little bit? Yes, the Grizzly program has a very strong foundation already, but still, you have your own idea of how you want to approach coaching it. Does bringing a program from a new point with the Maulers and starting in a way in a new instance with the Grizzlies, is that going to help you? I, yeah, I believe so. I, I think, you know, in both situations coming in with the Maulers, you know, I, I actually played with the previous coach, Trevor Stewart. Um, we played at UConn together, and he was actually the one that helped get me up here. So, you know, there was there was a good foundation there with the Maulers, and I was fortunate enough to come in and, and have some success with that. And then same thing here with Mike and Tucker and Will and what they've done, um, you know, building the program and getting it off the ground. and and you know having a successful year this year and um you know i'm looking forward to working with with those guys and keeping it going so i think you know just taking it one step at a time and and uh you know building off what's already here i think that's that's going to be that's going to be big and have and having mike stick around and and you know help the transition and and be a big part of it i think that's that's huge Marcus Baxter, the new head coach of the Montana Grizzlies, along with Mike Anderson, who will be staying with the Grizz coaching staff as the associate head coach. And not just Mike Anderson, the whole rest of the staff for the Grizzlies, Will Grossman, Ryan Geigas, also staying on board. How cool is that to be able to see everyone stay in their current roles and just you being an extra cog in the wheel, so to speak? Yeah, I think it's good, and it'll you know help with the guys that are coming back next year. There'll be some some continuity there and uh it's you know it's all about you know the program and mike stressed that with the guys from day one and and just making sure that like we said we're, we're taking a taking another step next year now mike don't you- forget about josh nowak there jeff our goalie coach who's come up clutch this year for us too he's coming back as well so just want to shout out to josh he's had a great year for us there we go and mike you've been able to see this program come through the trials and tribulations of the first three years. I've talked with a lot of your players who are OG guys, your captain, Action Jackson Knutson, or Hank Morrison, talking about in their first year how it was at times difficult to even find players to get on the ice night in and night out to now where you're a contender in the Western region and you have lofty goals for yourself the next couple of weeks. How rewarding is it for you to get the program to this point and now see it take another step? You know, it's hard to take scope of something as it's happening uh but certainly this this change for next year is caused to look back a little bit and you know it really comes down to everyone involved really just sacrificing and giving some things up for themselves to make sure this happens from myself to tucker to, to will the guy i guess to every single player that ever put on a uniform everyone had a role in, in what we've built and it is very rewarding right away, but when we first started, I, you know, you kind of figured out what it took to compete at this level, and we had a lot of those pieces already in place. So I think it was aspirational for sure, and something that 
we would be very excited about happening by year three, but it was also an expectation that if we had the right guys in, and I know that we can, we're going to be good right away. So it is it's something to be proud of, but we're certainly not satisfied, and we think we can get better and better, which Mark is coming in. is just going to really help us get even better with his experience and expertise, and, and it's just going to be awesome. So we're stoked. Now, we've alluded to your experience in junior hockey. Marcus, place you had a lot of success, over 70 wins in a two-season period your last two years with the Maulers. And junior hockey is obviously a different deal than the college level. Junior hockey players a lot of times are trying to get to a collegiate program or professional hockey. So how will it be different for you looking for the right fit in terms of a player to put on that maroon sweater? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the premise is still the same. We want guys that have character and have work ethic and, and obviously can contribute on the ice and, you know, continuing to build the culture around the program and, and getting getting the right guys in the door is a big part of that. Um, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, with the guys, that, the games that I've seen this year and there's certainly pieces on the team this year that will help us moving forward, help us move forward and, you know, like, we, like we've been talking about, take that next step. Now, on this level of hockey also, we've touched on all season, if you've been covering or been following our coverage of Grizz hockey, not just the University of Montana Grizzlies in the state of Montana, but the Montana State Bobcats and the University of Providence, two of the top teams in the western region right here in the state. What impact will those programs have in trying to build up Grizz hockey? Does it help having such strong competition right in your backyard. Yeah, I mean, I think that having, you know, those two programs and, and being able to compete against them, you know, multiple times a year, I think that's, you know, that's that's great for us. And, uh, you know, we, we just want to focus on how we build our program and, and what we do and how we're taking our next steps. So I think that's, that's what our focus will be and um, just keep moving forward. Marcus Baxter and Mike Anderson to... Man associated with the Montana Grizzly Hockey Program, head coach and associate head coach for next year, Mike Anderson, about ready to take this iteration of the Montana Grizzlies back to Logan, Utah for the third time this season. The conference championship tournament coming up this weekend, Utah State on the docket tomorrow. So in terms of this matchup for the Grizzlies, team that features some big, strong defensemen and speedy forwards, what do you expect from the Aggies and... What lies ahead if the Grizzlies are successful at this tournament? Uh, we expect a team that's going to be very tight defensively. They're built from the back out. Titan Anderson is one of the top goalies at our level. He's been very tough to beat all year. They have a really good power play that we're going to be focused on on film tonight. Uh, so we're expecting a good challenge. And then if we are able to win that game like we expect to, we'll be taking on whatever... We don't know yet because it all depends on how, how Thursday night goes with other sure. different teams. But it'll either be something we've played before, Boise State, Montana State potentially again, uh, Weber State. It could be we're not sure who it's going to be yet, uh, but we're pretty excited about it either way because it's going to be against good teams, and that's going to help our rankings to really solidify our spot in regionals, which we're primarily focused on. Now, in terms of the re- Western Regional Tournament, getting to that point would be the first time in since the reboot of the program, that you would make it back to regionals. How is that kind of a cool benchmark to reach, knowing that Marcus Baxter is here, and now it's kind of gearing into the next phase of Grizz hockey? 
Yeah, to us, that was the big goal for this season was let's get to regionals and, and then see what happens from there. And it's been a challenging season with the win-losses not always coming as clean as it had in years past, especially last season. But our schedule was r- remarkably better. And, and at times we answered to that and at times we didn't. And at, at this point of the year, though, we feel like we're playing our best hockey going into playoffs, which is all you can really ask for and want. And we're very excited to see what we can do. But it's certainly a nice uh, thing to accomplish. It's not fully sol- solidified yet. But everyone I've talked to who's been around this league for a while is like, yeah, you guys are in, but I'm still like, I'm still not. I don't like sure. to yeah. anything before it's finalized, but it's looking really good for us. And I've gotten to see that hockey guys, similar to baseball, can be just a little bit superstitious. So I can see where you'd be thinking that way. And last thing now for the now future head coach of the Montana Grizzlies, talking to the city of Missoula, taking over this Montana Grizzly program. What would you have as a message for the city of Missoula? Now this, they've packed the Glacier Ice Rink so many nights. What would you say, Marcus Baxter, to the city of Missoula as the new head coach of the Grizzlies as your vision for the program? Well, I think, you know, we just want to be an exciting team to watch and, and you know, continue, you know, providing the fans with that, that exciting brand of hockey and fast-paced and puck movement and good scoring opportunities and, uh you know, we, we love the support that we get from, from the fans, and it's awesome seeing that rink packed again. It's Marcus Baxter, the new head coach of Montana Grizzly Hockey Team. Mike Anderson joining us here in studio as well. You can catch Montana Grizzly Hockey tomorrow night right here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN MT app from Logan, Utah, Eccles Ice Center, the first round of the Mountain West Collegiate Hockey League Tournament, taking on host Utah State, 7 o'clock puck drop. We'll have all the action for you. We'll roll into the last couple of minutes of Nuanas now after this. Western Montana sports leader, Marcus and Mike, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having us. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. And Dwight, your father founded Schulte Law Firm in 1987 and since then has mediated more than 3,000 family law and divorce cases. Why is he so good at that sort of law? Well, he is a smart and patient man. A lot of situations where you find yourself in need of attorney are a high conflict situation. And it's really important. And it's a a tenet of our firm that we work through litigious issues in a collaborative way. It's important at Schulte Law Firm that when we're litigating these very serious issues that impact people's lives, that we do so in a way that provides the best representation and the best result to our clients. And what we have found is that the best way to do that is to litigate these issues effectively while doing so with a high degree of professionalism. We can have these disagreements without making it personal. Visit jshultylaw.com. It's new on is now on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. Last segment on a Wednesday afternoon, a little Chicago for you. 102.9 ESPN Radio, the ESPN MT app. Chicago, a great act, I feel. But to me... Really a band that should be thought of as a live act, surely. I mean, whoa. 
the crazy spectacle that is Chicago live, well, man, that would definitely be one that would be up there for live music for me if they were ever to visit the Garden City. You never know. Wrapping things up, just a few seconds left here on a Wednesday. Had a lot of fun with Around the Big Sky and Women's Hoops. In the first hour, Colter Nuana's Krista Redpath. Krista also rocking the big bad Bosa jersey. Even though not a huge Niner guy myself, I had to respect Krista with her knowledge of football and the 49ers. Really was well-versed in her knowledge of football in general, not just Big Sky Women's Basketball. But on a Friday, or Thursday rather, have plenty of stuff coming for you. Colter Nuanez will be back. Andrew Houghton behind the glass. I'll be rolling to Utah. This has been Nuanez Now, ESPN Radio. Colter Nuanez from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanez Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that yeah. might, it must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Yeah, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time.